0: Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Burchard as he preached from the lectionary, which was Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 to 19 and 25 to 30. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. this distinct memory from many years ago of a conversation with a mentor of mine, Julie Graham. We were walking through the streets of downtown San Francisco. It was the late 1990s, and it was a sunny day, which means that it could not have possibly been during the summertime. And to this day, I remember it being uh, a free flowing and a, and a heartfelt conversation. And at one point, we were talking about friends of ours, uh, a gay couple who had just had their union blessed. It was actually at that service that I received my call to the priesthood, but that's a story for another sermon. At the time, blessings of same-sex unions were on the leading edge of where the church was, and about a decade from where the state would be. And as we were walking, Julie, who was a wise and discerning Episcopal priest, asked me how I felt about same-sex marriage. Now, this was about 25 years ago, but it feels like several centuries in the past. I said that there was something about marriage that felt different to me. Civil unions, yes, but I wasn't there yet for same-sex marriage. Then, in a gentle and kind tone, (laughs) she asked me, for me, what was different. I don't remember, actually, what my reasoning was. Only that I had some reasons, probably several of them, and that we began to talk. And that each time when I held up one of those reasons to the light, that reason started to fade away. And I still remember how loving and generous her questions felt, and how patient and kind she was as I talked my way through them. And I remember that over the course of the conversation and many, many blocks of walking through San Francisco that something shifted in me. There was a a lightness in my being and a release of some kind of burden. At the end of the walk, I realized that the sacrament of marriage that I would one day live into with my wife, Sarah, that this recognition of a sacred way of living was actually a reality that belonged to everyone, not just a man and a woman. It was like an obstacle within me had been removed, but somehow not by force. And because of that, something new was being revealed. So we find ourselves on yet another Sunday morning where Jesus is somewhere between annoyed and angry. Earlier in the chapter from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, um, what we didn't hear is that Jesus has been approached. By disciples of John the Baptist. At this part of the story, John the Baptist is, well, he's in jail because of his righteous anger and his willingness to speak truth to power. And it's from that jail that he gives instructions to his disciples to find Jesus so that they can ask Jesus if Jesus really was the one that they had been waiting for. So they do. And this is what Jesus says to those disciples. Tell John what is happening. The blind regain their sight, the sick are healed, the dead are raised. And then right after that come the words that we heard just now. And at least to my ear, you could almost hear the annoyance in his voice. Right? He take he uh, he paints a picture of children who are playing in the marketplace, and uh, some of them are pretending to wail as if they're in grief, but nobody responds with mourning. And they're they're playing the flute, but no one is willing to dance. And he uses that to express his frustration about the generation of people who would not listen. Not listen to John or to him. I think it's really important uh, that we be clear here about what Jesus means by this generation. Because I do not believe that it is specific to say the century, uh, the generation of first century Jews living there in Palestine. You'll find the same hard-heartedness, the same internal resistance in every human generation. In Scripture, you'll find it when the people of God create golden idols while they're waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain. You'll find it when the people of Israel later chase after imperial domination, when they're sure they want to have a king. And you'll find it when the prophets warn the people of Israel about the inequities that they are willing to live with. Every generation gets in trouble when we are unwilling to hear the word of God afresh. Those religious authorities in the first century, all faithful followers of Torah, they didn't trust John's fiery warnings. They didn't trust Jesus' witness to God's profligate love. For whatever reason, it was not what they wanted, what they expected, what they had room for. And all this has Jesus feeling kind of distraught, it seems. And his anger spills out in two directions. One, towards those who put stumbling blocks in the way of the vulnerable who are trying to come close to God. And the other, towards those who are unwilling to hear a new word of God. Stumbling blocks to the vulnerable, an unwillingness to hear a new word. You can see why why I might say that this not be particular to that generation. (laughs) So what are we, participants in this generation, what are we to do? How are we to live? Well, thank goodness for the second half of our text. In the second part of our passage, it seems that the the tone of Jesus' teaching changes. Now, it could be that uh, the writers of this gospel take words from a different teaching and place it here. But it also could be that he is done directing his anger at those who have authority, but are misusing it. It's as if he looks around at the audience. It's almost like his focus changes, and he sees in front of him the people who are there and what they need to hear. And remember now, in in Matthew's gospel, the crowds as opposed to the religious authorities, the crowds are often really open to his teaching and his healing, even if they seem like they're lost, like like sheep without a shepherd. It's as if he sees them and then begins to teach them about those who reveal the truth of God. And once again... Jesus confounds expectations. Because the revelation of God is not found in the wise or in the intelligent or in the learned, but in the childlike, or to borrow from Buddhist teaching, those with a beginner's mind. It's not that Jesus is anti-intellectual, It's just that he knows that we can get in our own way. We can work everything out for ourselves and leave little to no room for a simple truth in front of us. Essentially, Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful when you're sure that you've got it all figured out. And pray that you have someone like Julie Graham who is willing to be curious with you until you are able to unlearn and relearn the ways of God and then somehow this way of unlearning of beginning again of being childlike of perceiving where God is now somehow it is known through a tool that was known for burden and subjugation. A yoke. Yokes are what you harness to beasts of burden and sometimes to other humans so that you can plow a field or cart your goods. How could a new way of life be known through such a tool? I believe it's found in how the tool is used or what the tool asks of us, because fundamental to this way of binding ourselves to God is the stance of our Messiah, which is characteristically gentle and humble of heart. To be frank, that's not always the kind of Messiah we want. But that's how you'll know you're living under this yoke. It's how you know that the people around you are living under this yoke. When our words and our actions are grounded in gentleness and humility. That's what my mentor Julie showed me some 25 years ago. She didn't try to argue with me or shame me or even persuade me. She instead listened to me, was curious with me, helped me see the obstacles within me, and guided me to a new openness of mind and heart and soul. I believe we are really, really hungry for this in our generation. Because in our own time, in a time when we place obstacles in front of the vulnerable, and we resist hearing a new word from God, I believe we are all yearning, individually and collectively, for a new way, a more whole way of being. Our teaching today is that this new way of being is found when we yoke ourselves alongside Jesus. And that somehow, even in the most difficult of times, when life feels bleak, perhaps even impossible, it is in this yoke of gentleness and humility that we will find our rest, the rest for our souls.